welcome to the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Martin Thomas. Join me and my guest speakers as they discuss the journey they've had with their own voice, as well as light bulb moments, stories, and personal wisdoms. Vocal Freedom is a bi-weekly podcast raising awareness about vocal health and well-being from members of the voice community. Welcome listeners. This week, my guest is professional actress Nicola Goodchild. Nicola has enjoyed a fabulous career in showbiz, appearing in film, TV and theatre. From treading the boards on stage at the National Theatre to flying off to Sardinia to be directed by George Clooney in Catch-22. She's recently graced your screens in Channel 4's comedy series Home, written and starring Rufus Jones, and Sky One's Breeders, starring Martin Freeman and Daisy Haggard. Nicola also strikes more than a passing resemblance to the amazing singer-actress Julie Andrews and now spends some of her time being the Mary Poppins Tribute Act UK. She also loves time tea and has some awesome stories to share from her adventurous life as a British actress. Welcome to the Vocal Freedom Podcast, Nicola Goodchild. Let's start with my first question. How would you describe your journey so far with your voice? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um... Well, if we talk about when I started drama school, I think one of the things that um, was a revelation was doing voice classes at all. Because, you know, when you're someone that just likes acting, the daily um, discipline of actually working with your voice is new territory. So when I started at drama school, to be able to um, find out different ways of working with it and um, you understanding it as a tool and uh, a very physical, muscular entity, it was all of that was new. So I think well, one of the things that people spoke about when I was at, starting off at drama school was that um my projection and i know the word projection is open to interpretation to interpretation um my projection wouldn't always hit the back row of the audience for want of a better phrase so i would get people saying that's really good tv acting but you need to now hit the back row of the audience so that has been something that's been ongoing actually because my default position is to uh, try to speak in a more um, natural uh, range of, of volume, I suppose. Um, and the the ongoing issue around making sure that as an actor, you can properly use your voice and all the uh, musculature and the support network and the system in your body to actually uh, underpin your voice and let it work in a natural way on a stage that doesn't sound ridiculous and forced and shouty that ongoing thing has been uh, a, yeah it's a continual um, journey mm. it's not it's not something you go for me it's not something that I go yeah I've nailed that I know exactly how to 
pitch to the back row of this audience because each time you're in a different space you have to recalibrate everything you're doing with your voice yeah absolutely so what would you think what would you just think your favorite area of voice work is because I know you do a variety of you know stage acting tv acting uh, voiceover work that sort of thing have you got a favorite area of voice work I love using my voice for voiceover it's sounding pretty on a blackman this morning because I haven't <laughs> so far I did a little warm-up before I came on but um I love the intimacy of working with a microphone and the um the way that you can draw someone into your story in the wider sense of the word um just by the the flexibility of your own voice and your own characterization obviously but um it's for me feels the most satisfying area of voice work because it i sort of feel like i'm i'm working with a more sharpened box of tools than I am when your voice isn't quite so much the main event of the evening when you're doing like on a in a theater or on film that's quite often to do with your acting your physical acting when you're being in you when you're in vision on tv film or stage but the the ability to mold your voice and use it to create worlds and characters down you know in front of a microphone that's thrilling in fact to me that's awesome that's where the focus is isn't it I guess that's it's very focused it's completely all on your voice yeah when I uh was doing radio drama lessons at drama school I went to the Welsh College of Music and Drama and had a fantastic radio drama coach called Marilyn Leconte who is um legendary um I don't know if listeners will know if 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 they haven't been to drama school but there's a thing called the Carlton Hobbs competition um in the accredited drama schools and it's been going on for many years um and the drama schools put together a team and they work towards this competition that happens at BBC Broadcasting House which is a thrill in itself to go down to London and and walk through the the hallowed corridors and go into a BBC studio when you're still a drama student it's really exciting um and Marilyn has led many many women winning teams over the years um uh, and the winners of the Carlton Hobb competition get a I think it's six month contract with a radio drama company as a female and a male actor will get the the prize and it's a real real kudos but Marilyn always used to talk to me about using the microphone as one listener as an actor I was I've been aware over the years of um singers being much more careful about their voice than actors are and being mindful of going out in wintry weather and making sure their throat's wrapped up and making sure they're lubricated all the time and you know drink eating dairy and if they're about to be doing a singing job and I think I didn't take some of that as seriously as um I may maybe you could have done because I sort of thought well they use their voice properly because they're singers 
I'm just an actor, so I don't need to be so careful about whether my voice gets, you know, raw or upset or stressed in some way. But as I've grown older and started to use my voice a bit differently, um, more recently because I've been singing a bit more, um, I do realise the value of uh, not being reckless with it. And years ago in drama school, um, there's a phrase that keeps coming back to do with the voice. And that is, your voice is your number one tool of your trade. And if you were a carpenter, you wouldn't get your chisels out of your toolbox and scrape them down a brick wall because then you wouldn't be able to work. And it really stuck with me. And so <laughs> it comes back to me, that phrase of thinking of my of my voice as my tool and not <laughs> scraping it down a wall. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I do try to look after it a bit more than uh, I used to think I needed to. Yeah. Amazing. So I'm going to ask you um, a bit more about your work, actually, because I'm and explain how we met. So um, Nicola's son, Louis, is a student of mine, and I think it must be getting on for, um, oh goodness, a year. Yes, he came no, more to you. Than that, he came to you specifically because he had to play Jack in Jack in the Beanstalk right. at the exact point where his voice was changing. I remember. He was 13 into 14 because his birthday's January and he was doing the play in the first week of January, like January, February. And when he started the rehearsal process, he had a boy's voice. And when he performed the show, his voice had changed. And it was a real... uh, How long is a piece of string thing through rehearsals about what key is this solo song going to end up being in by the time he performs the show? And thankfully he had the capacity to keep being able to change the backing track Mm. because it changed so much. And you were recommended as someone that could help him over that change period. And yes, he enjoyed it so much that he's, he's, <laughs> he's still with me yeah so I um, think that must be about a year and a half ago thinking about actually because mm-hmm. it was pre-Christmas wasn't it running up to panto season amazing mm-hmm. and I I then really loved learning about you because I'd seen um your presence online through running the um, Essex Theatre Network on Facebook mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and then of course when we first met and I recognized this amazing resemblance to the fabulous Julie Andrews and then you explained about your journey into becoming the the Mary Poppins Tribute UK Act I would love it if you could tell our listeners a bit more about what you do there oh well all my nearly 30 years of my career there's been times where people and it's always people that don't know me if they see me on stage in anything doesn't have to be comedy or singing or anything anything Time and time again, people have come up to me afterwards in the bar or wherever and said, has anyone ever told you that you really remind them of Julie Andrews? Well, yes, if I had had a plot of land for every time anyone had said that, I'd be a um, 
uh, a landed woman. <laughs> um, so it was two years ago. Um, I actually, there's been a couple of times where I have done a little dip my toe into the water of cabaret and done a, a Victor Victoria song from the wonderful Julie Andrews film um, that Blake Edwards, her husband, um, uh, directed. And so I've got into white tie and tails and slipped my hair back and done one of the numbers from uh, the Victor Victoria show. But two years ago, uh, a local tea room owner was having a practically perfect tea month in her tea rooms. And I knew her anyway. And I messaged her and said, in your month, do you want me to come and do an appearance as Mary Poppins? Um, and she said, oh, that would be amazing. I don't, I don't know if I can afford you. How much do you charge? I said, I don't know. I've never done it before, but I'm sure I can pull a costume together. So it did, as a, completely as a one-off, the head of costume at the Mercury Theatre in Colchester um, costumed me. Um, I borrowed a parrot head umbrella. We bought a carpet bag on eBay. We just pulled this stuff together and I came up with an act and I did a little 20-minute set with a really magical appearance as part of this tea that was happening in tea rooms. Someone videoed me singing Spoonful of Sugar and it went mini viral in three days. It had 5,000 views in a couple of days and I didn't even know who the lady was. Um, and so people said, you must do this. You should really do this. So I looked into um, the legalities and intellectual property rights and all that kind of thing. And I got in touch with Disney and um, they didn't say no. So um, I went ahead and launched Mary Poppins Tribute UK sort of 18 months ago-ish um, on the day that the Mary Poppins Return film was launched because I thought I should uh, hang on to the coattails of all the input <laughs> publicity. Yeah. Um, and since then, I've done private parties and corporate events and cabaret and pride um and now I'm offering practically perfect parties online and I was really thrilled that you could come and be one of my um test guests on my practice parties because I needed to work out how Mary could handle the zoom buttons and the <laughs> meeting and all of that in character and that's fine because you know Mary likes to take control of things so that's all fine um and it's an absolute joy to I mean in all seriousness because of the the mental health load that we're all taking at the moment what I've found most comforting and satisfying about doing the practically perfect parties online is that the sense of genuine togetherness and magic and escape that the children or the adults have in those 45 minutes is so um it gives me such a warm fuzzy glow <laughs> because those children are absolutely speaking to Mary Poppins when they're talking to me through Zoom. And, you know, I let, I unmute them and I let them speak to me and they show me their teddies and they tell me where their favourite place to play is. And we obliquely talk about the tricky times we're having at the moment without mentioning too much of the reality of things. But the fact that I am speaking about it and talking to the children about 
how when we get through this, um, there'll be a time to play with our friends and that. And I don't know what am I trying to say? Um, it feels kind of more than the sum of its parts, actually, that all being together with with Mary and them trusting her mm. that, that they're, they're safe and that um, I'm, I'm not making any promises to them as Mary Poppins that can't come come true, but it just feels like a really safe place for them to be and a bit of escapism. Um, and they utterly, utterly believe that they're talking to Mary Poppins. Oh, that's adorable. In fact, sorry, that um, one of the little girls who came on from Rome who is a massive Mary Poppins fan and who's generally watching it twice a day in English and then in Italian. Um, she's four. Um, she sent me a devastating little video the other day saying, hello, Mary Poppins. When I come to England, when the virus is done, please, can you do magic for me? And she said, thank you, Mary Poppins. <laughs> Basically says when she's coming to England, can I do some magic for her? Magic on her. Can I do some magic on her? So <laughs> good luck with that. Um, but yeah, she utterly believes it. That that was um that yeah, she was talking to Mary in the room. So it, it feels like a really special thing to be doing. Um and it I'm very, very lucky. I feel it's a g- absolute privilege to be able to bring that character is so loved by people any age any background I had bouncers like proper shaven head and bomber jacket wearing bouncer saying to me it's literally my favorite film ever I love Mary Poppins I love Mary Poppins I love it I watch it every year at Christmas she's my favorite film ever (laughs) that was unexpected (laughs) but yeah people stop me in the street when I'm in in costume middle-aged women came up to me at the tea rooms and said um this has just made my year because um we we went to we went to disney um uh last year and we saw you in the parade but we didn't actually get to meet you so meeting you today is just made made our year it's her birthday and it's her birthday treat and that's why we've come and to see two grown women in front of me talk to me and in absolute seriousness say they thrilled to meet me because they didn't meet me in in Disneyland last year was an, a revelation <laughs> to be honest um and it made me realize how seriously I have to take this because I'm I'm bringing life to some a character that is almost owned by the populace I know it's owned by Disney but you know what I mean um it just it's a it is a genuine privilege and I am never ever going to mess with the character does that make sense yeah completely yeah she I mean she's for me I mean I get a warm fuzzy glow when you're dressed as Mary and and uh, um I loved that tea party that we did online because yeah. I was listening to the Mary Poppins soundtrack as early as I can remember. So, and it was one of my, you know, the first female voices that I heard that were using their voice in that way that I would mimic as a sort of four or five year old. 
just the joy of um, this idea of this magical lady who could fly down with an umbrella and sweep in and look after the children and be magical and bring you into paintings. Oh, my goodness. So it was a thrill when I found out that you were doing this job uh, to get to speak to you and then to, to join in on character on that session was brilliant. I loved it. I had my little tea and my hat on. And I was just like, I'm having tea with Mary Poppins. This is the best thing ever. So, yeah, I can see why these women would have come up to you and said, you know, I went all the way to Disney to meet you, didn't get to speak to you. This is amazing. Because you do, you just feel completely, um, it's so believable when you're, when you're, um, you've got your Mary wig and everything on. We'll have to share some um Clips. Clips and things. Yeah, won't we? And just show you. It's it's brilliant. I think it's one of there the was, best things. There was a little girl on the same day as the um the ladies said that to me. She stayed back after everyone else had left and she was sort of lurking around at the top of the stairs where in, in this tea room there's a sort of mezzanine floor. She was sort of waiting around and she sort of tugged my skirt actually and said, Mary Poppins, can I ask you a question? And I said, Yes, of course, dear. Um and she said, what does it feel like when you jump into the pavement painting? Oh, my heart nearly broke in two, firstly. <laughs> and then I said, well, that's a very good question. Well, first of all, it feels um, it feels slightly tingly and fizzy, a little bit like pins and needles. But then once you're in the other side, it feels practically perfect. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so brilliant. Hoofing, hoofing it, hoofing it with the impro. But um, yeah, it, to be able to add a add to that little child's magic and it's totally believable it, it feels very very special and uh, when I did one of the practice parties for the online ones um one of the reviews came back Tilly she um said that her fate her her dream her absolute dream is to crawl into the television or into the yeah, into the television or screen and be with her favourite characters and be part of the films or whatever it is that she's watching. That's her absolute dream. So to have Mary Poppins talking to her directly and for her to be able to be answering her or just asking Mary questions, she said, was literally a dream come true. So that is as as special a kind of yes. for David that you can get really. So um, I know I'm, I'm, I'm hashtag blessed. I hate that phrase, but you know I am. <laughs> I feel very blessed to be able to uh, have the attributes to be able to make this thing a reality. It's it's a wonderful job. I'm I'm quite jealous because <laughs> it just seems like you must go around bringing joy wherever you go, and and it's a wonderful thing. So I would like to ask you actually. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I'm going to have mentioned in your bio that you've done some amazing work in the last, you know, few years. And I know that you've you've always you've done Shakespeare, you've done everything from Shakespeare plays to, you know, plays that have been written for you um, and, and the National Theatre and, you know, film and television work as well. And more recently, you got to fly to Sardinia for a bit of an adventure. Would you like to share that story? Oh, that was a absolutely crazy um quite often nowadays um we get asked to do self-tapes rather than schlep up to London usually to do an audition for maybe a small part the self-tape is is king or queen at the moment so actors are used to getting some kind of studio set up somehow or other in their houses um mostly filmed on phones um the 
having a tripod has made an enormous difference to all of that little cheap tripod for my phone but on this particular phone uh, phone call from my agent they said George Clooney is directing Catch 22 in Sardinia and they want to see you for this part of an admin clerk um we want the self-tape by tomorrow or the next day so I basically called in every favour that I've ever paid out to people in Colchester and said, now's the time. And so I got uh, a professional filmmaker um, in Colchester from Aura Films and uh, he brought all his kit and caboodle. It was not filmed on a phone. It was filmed as professional quality filming. Um, the Mercury Theatre team gave me a spare room in their theatre. Uh, I got props and everything. And our, the costume department at the Mercury costumed me in military uniform. And I used a wig with sort of victory rolls in my hair and got comedy kind of old-fashioned glasses. So I filmed a complete, as much as I could, um, uh, version of the scene with all sorts of props as this admin clerk. I even went online to find out what flight records looked like in World War II, American flight war records, because it was supposed to be American character, because Catch-22 is set on an American airbase in Italy. Um, and I printed out versions of what flight records looked like, so that even though they weren't really going to be in vision, I had the real deal sitting in front of me, and I was stamping these things and doing my lines. And it got me the job. <laughs> so um, a couple of weeks later, I flew to Sardinia. And, oh, it was crazy, actually. I had to fly to Sardinia twice in four days <gasps> uh, because it was my 50th birthday in between. And I had this big party planned and paid for in London. And that weekend was never part of the plan. But suddenly it was part of the plan. I needed to get there Friday instead of Monday. And the weekend, the weekend was when the party ha stuff was happening. Um, so there was this awful moment of they're going to pull you off the job if you don't get there by Friday. And then my agent started pulling strings. So they flew me out to Sardinia for 18 hours in order to have a wig fitting. Actually, that happened. Wow. Um, and they were absolutely brilliant. The fellow that um, was my wig master, he's like, darling, darling, I'm so sorry to bring you all this way. Thank you, Bella, Ciao, Bella. Come, come, sit down. It's your birthday. Don't tell me you look, you're not 50. That's a lie for a start. Uh, <laughs> sit down. I mean, they said you're going to come in on Monday. What are you talking about? It's not a hat. I can't put it on your head like a hat. It's a wig. I need to work with it. I need to fit it to your head. What happens if we need to do something to the wig? And we did need to do something to the wig. They needed to fly in a wig maker from Rome to Sardinia over the weekend to had to add five millimeters of hair to each side, like above the ear, because it didn't quite cover my hairline. And it was this beautiful natural hair wig. So all that happened. Uh, I flew back home, had my party, and then flew back out again on Monday morning. And George Clooney was everything you would hope him to be he was self-deprecating and funny and charming and a brilliant leader of the team most of the team were Italian 
Um, and of course, he lives in Italy mostly with his wife. Um, and uh, I, I couldn't have been more supported, given that I had a small role in it, to be fair. Um, Hugh Laurie was on it as well. And I was the only actress on a set with about 50 actors, literally the only actress. And so when I was watching one of the scenes happening in a big, like an aircraft hangar place, that was like a big briefing session, briefing room. So there's all these uh, Sardinian extras being soldiers and all the main crew as well, main cast. And Hugh Laurie was in there. Um, and this other actor had come in and it was his first day on the job and he had to do a massive barnstorming scene. Um, and it was fascinating to watch that going on. And then in a break, Hugh Laurie came out and I couldn't help but say hello to him because, you know, he's Hugh Laurie. Um, <laughs> and my boys loved Stuart Little when they were little. So I wanted to just say hi. And the first thing he said to me was, wow this must be weird for you here today and I went um a little bit yeah <laughs> it's a bit odd um because it, it's an it was an American airbase so they were all blokes apart from a few nurses on set but you know the the story is all about these soldiers so um it was what it was but in the actual room of the filming room was like a, this hut um that was a like an admin hut um and there were loads of people crowded in there and i may use some language in this but i may edit it out um <laughs> but um i said to george um george in this scene can i ask it does she have because i was playing this admin clerk that was holding holding the deck of cards really over the lead character about whether or not he could leave the airbase because he'd done all these flights which was his aim. Um, I said, does she really have the power in this scene to, um, what did I say, um, scupper? I said, could, does she, could she really scupper Yossarian's plans in this scene? He said, scupper? What, scupper, scamper? What, what? I went, um, upend, unseat. Could, does she really have any power in the scene? And he went, well, what you did in the self-tape? you know, you nailed it in the self-tape. I mean, that's why you're here. So um, just do that, really. You, you, you got it. You nailed it. I went, okay, okay. And um, then he said, well, okay, the only other advice I'd give you is um, don't f*** it up. And I went, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll try to do that. I'll just do that then, shall I? And he went, you know, it works for me, you know, when the Cone brothers are working. Them. Like, oh, no, now George Clooney's quoting the Cone brothers at me. This is madness. Um, oh, God, yeah, it was mental. Um, and so we just went on and did the scene and it worked really well. And in the finished uh, article, it, they, they really liked it. They, they were really happy with how it came over. So it was a surreal, wonderful, crazy little time. Um, and uh yeah it's <laughs> mad, brilliant mad but very satisfying for my 50th birthday treat <laughs> absolutely brilliant it's a fabulous story thank you so much for sharing that so I'm going to go back to a voice question for you um mm. what have you found most valuable in caring for your own voice hydration I feel that keenly if I'm behind the curve on staying lubricated 
And I will always hold on to the, if you feel thirsty, it's already too late. You're already dehydrated. So I really try to actively work on that. Um, don't drink that much caffeine. I don't know whether that makes much of a difference to people, but for me, um, it feels like it dries me out a bit. I don't drink coffee anyway, but tea does feel like it, the tannins in it do dry me out. So I've got um, single estate peppermint tea at the moment. Oh, glorious. And um, my absolute number one complete talisman and saving grace, and I share with you this with you wholeheartedly, is thyme tea. The herb thyme is antifungal, antiviral and antibacterial. And you can see that by if you leave it in a teapot, it will never go mouldy. That's that was one of the things that went. Oh yeah, it really is. Because if you leave a other tea leaves or other tea bag or something and forget about it, you go back and go, oh, that's very. Um, but it, this that will never happen with time. So, at the very first twinge of a swollen gland or a scratchy throat, I will get either fresh thyme if I've got any in a pot, or literally just standard culinary thyme in a little pot a teaspoon of normal culinary thyme dried thyme or a few sprigs of fresh and stick it in a teapot or a a, a teapot's best really it's easier um boiling water let the um the volatile oils from the uh plant seep into the water let it steep for about five minutes and the longer you keep it in there the more potent it will be obviously um and i would amend it with a little bit of honey it doesn't have to be fancy manuka honey or anything but whatever you've got um and it will absolutely knock it on the head in a wanna and i've used that for my entire career and every single person I tell about it, every singer, every actor, any anyone that needs to use their voice professionally, they come back to me after and say, the time tea, oh my God, what a godsend. Absolutely brilliant. I'm never going to not have some on my dressing room shelf or in my handbag or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. And it tastes really medicinal because it is. So it doesn't taste brilliant. But I've come to feel, have a sort of sensory connection with it that I know it's doing me good. So I love the taste of it. Um, And if you're really lucky and like can grow stuff in your garden or pot on a shelf or something, and you can get some lemon thyme, the variegated yellow and green one, it's utterly delicious. It's like a lemony caramel flavor and it is gorgeous. So I would just open that, um, tip out to the world because it is brilliant it will get whatever's in your throat and if you uh, have got something chesty going on as well sage is better for chests thyme and sage work for both but thyme is really great for throats and sage is fantastic for chests sage tastes horrible but so thankfully i don't get chests (laughs) chesty things but yeah they absolutely do what what i said (laughs) what does your voice mean to you I think I can take it for granted sometimes. And when I really think about value that there is in my voice, 
it makes me think differently about it. Like when I talked about um, the time T, you're all fine until you're not fine. You know, when you suddenly need to use it fluidly and gracefully and flexibly, and it's not doing what you want it to do because it's, you know, a scratch chisel, um, then you're (laughs) really playing catch up with, well, I do, I'm playing catch up with the, the stock that I hold in it, the, the, the value that there is in it. Um, so yeah, when I really think about it, I realize how lucky I am to, whether it's my voice, I don't know, or whether it's my ability for mimicry and my ear for mimicry, I'm not quite sure, but I know I've got an incredibly flexible and, um, what's the word, Uh, mutable and um, stretchy voice that can mimic very easily whether that's accents or characters um but when i like when i went back to um think of it i'm thinking of those two recent um comedy characters i was talking about before we went live um i did a, a an episode of the channel 4 series called home and the uh sky series called breeders with daisy haggard and martin freeman and the voice of those two characters was absolutely fundamental to how they came across on screen. And I really had to think back to where I, not think back, think think to where I was going to place it because the voice was going to be the key to the characters. Um, not a, it's not a bolt-on thing. It's, um, symbiotic with the character it's not a before or after or one or the other it it develops as I'm developing the character but it's absolutely key to it like Beryl Reed always talked about when you've got the shoes you've got your character but for me it's mostly the voice mm-hmm. so as a roundabout way of saying it means an awful lot to me but I don't really think about it on a daily basis and probably should <laughs> What voices inspire you and who could you never tire of listening to? Um, I love Audra McDonald's voice. It's so distinctive singing voice. I haven't listened to any of her stuff for ages, actually, but it's it's a really distinctive voice and really rich and warm. I love I love her. Um, I've got um, uh, a friend called Zirzan. I've mentioned to you before um she's got the most extraordinary range she'd be able to tell you about it and I think you might be able to get her onto the podcast but um it's um one of these ranges that she's a true soprano but she's also a a genuine baritone not an alto but an actual baritone it's bonkers and her voice has got such an incredible tone and richness like nothing I could ever hope to touch in my own voice it's like 
tin fruit salad and fresh fruit salad as far as I'm concerned they're <laughs> totally different beasts <laughs> um, um so I love never tire of listening to her like her voice inspires me um I love Uta Lempa she's got a very distinctive t- again another d- distinctive uh cabaret torch song kind of voice she's uh she sings all of the works of Kurt Weill and Bertolt Brecht extraordinarily. So all of the 1930s things like Mac the Knife and um, those, yeah, those Berliner Ensemble 30s torch songs. That's her niche, really. Whenever I do see it, I'm going to sit there open mouth and go, my goodness, how do they do that? That's ex- that's an extraordinary tool. They've got... Um, total control over I certainly feel like I'm I'm on the nursery slopes of that kind of um mastery of my own instrument um obviously Julie Andrews is incredible how could I not mention her (laughs) her voice and I've read her um autobiography um the second part of it the one where she sort of goes from teens to Hollywood um before she loses her voice um and she my goodness she was a grafter she was in vaudeville uh well music hall basically she was working from the age of 13 is part of the family act absolutely grafting trudging the music halls around the uk being part of a traveling band of players and absolutely working 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 her what's it's off and she had her range is well it's legendary was legendary um but the freedom in it it's so pure and um it's like it's like tinkerbells coming out of her mouth and as much as I know I can sound like her when I'm singing I don't anywhere near have her range um but to watch her in any of her movies when she sings, my God, the thing that she the uh, the showcase piece in Victor Victoria is um, Le Jazz Hot, and if if the listeners haven't seen it, absolutely watch that as a masterclass of vocal dexterity because she is playing a soprano who can't get a job, who then as a by a suggestion of of someone she meets, dresses up as a man and becomes a female impersonator. I'll leave that with you for a moment. And so the very end of the um, big big production number in um, Victor Victoria is her being Count whatever he's called, which is her pseudonym as this um, foreign count that's come into Paris to be a singer as an impersonator. So there's ostensibly the Count up on stage dressed in this incredible jazzy outfit um, and does starts in a really low timbre as if it's almost a man's voice. In it's a showgirl outfit it is. And then by the end of it, it goes to this extraordinary glissando up to the this top note. I don't know what it is, but it's just extraordinary in fact you know what I'm talking about because I did it with you in our it's still a yes. masterclass day it's that rise all the way up to the top of that um big kind of 
showy number uh, showy note at the end yeah um but that freedom in her voice is is i my my jaw is on my knees basically watching that because it gives me thrills chills to see someone so at in at one with their own instrument it's an absolute joy watching her perform that's been amazing. Thank you so much for a wonderful conversation about voice. Um, before I finish, is there anything coming up for you that you'd like our listeners to know about? And where can they come and see you on social media? Come and find me at Mary Poppins Tribute UK on Instagram, on Facebook. On Facebook, I'm more likely to be uploading videos. And through that, you can get to links to um, any of the um, any of the options that I offer I can do these practically perfect parties online which is more for a proper party atmosphere for a birthday or something for children or for adults uh, anniversaries baby showers whatever you want to use Mary Poppins for in that celebratory capacity I also do a more informal one called Mary Pops In which is like a 15 minute thing on house party more for people of a certain age I guess um uh and just you just imagine you're with a bunch of mates and Mary pops in and you sing a song together that's that's a really jolly one and I also do practically perfect personalized messages so if you want Mary Poppins to send a message to anyone on video um, I'm doing one tomorrow actually um for a little girl um then just have a look at the virtually Mary packages page on my website at marypoppinstribute.co.uk Thank you for joining me on the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll move into your day with a bit more vocal freedom, feeling that you can express using your voice and let the world hear what you have to say. Visit colchestervoiceacademy.com forward slash podcast. Sign up to be kept informed as new episodes are published and consider joining our online community. Membership to this will allow you to post questions to our guests, link you to show notes, social media links, and entitle you to exclusive offers from our guests. See you next time.